Now, there's a dividing line between those who are old Christians and those who are young Christians. If when that reading was being read, you started singing the song to yourself, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me, you're probably reaching the point where you're an old Christian. They don't build the songs like that anymore. It's now, I will send you out to fish for people. doesn't scan quite so well. But some of us grew up singing, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. And in my sister-in-law, when she was little, uh, got the words a bit wrong. She came back from Sunday school singing, I will make you vicious old men if you follow me, which isn't what Jesus' intention was. The idea is that we follow him uh, and we become rather lovely rather than vicious, but we do fish for other people. Now, I don't know how you react when, when you hear Jesus say, I'll send you out to fish for people. Some of us might find that a bit daunting. But Jesus said it to the fishermen. This was their job. And he said, instead of fishing for fish, you'll be fishing for people. I imagine if he was speaking to people who cleaned things up, he'd say, I'm gonna, you're going to start cleaning up people's lives. If he was speaking to builders, he would say, follow me and you will build my kingdom. Uh, Jesus is inviting you, whoever you are, to follow him and be part of the building of his kingdom, the reaching out to others, the fishing for people. We have the very best news in the world. And our nation, our world needs that news as much as ever, perhaps more so. It won't be long till Christmas and we'll be celebrating that Jesus came to restore relationship with God. Uh, old and young, male and female, uh, whatever race, Jesus is wanting to restore relationship with God. The Church of England has a rather good Christmas campaign we'll be using, comfort and joy. Our world needs to hear words of comfort, God loves and cares. And that's the message of Christmas, that Jesus came. Uh, but words of joy, that we can be in relationship with God and that inwardly we can be at peace, even if outwardly things are difficult. Uh, but of course, how we go about following Jesus and how we go about reaching others for him changes down the years with different societies and in different eras. And there are three factors that are changing or have changed a lot uh, for us. The first one, of course, is the whole global pandemic with COVID-19. The whole world is changing. Uh, we can be fairly confident that we will emerge from the lockdown we thank God for the scientists and the vaccines, but clearly we're going to have to learn to live with the virus. And we don't know what the world will look like looking ahead. We just know that it will be different. My hope and prayer is that there will still be an openness to God, an openness to prayer, an openness to Jesus. There seems to be more of an openness today than I've ever known in my lifetime. And I pray that will last uh, as we emerge from the pandemic. Uh, the way people work, the way people socialise is likely to change. We don't know quite how, but we will be operating in a new era. And we need to be asking the Lord to show us how should we do things differently such that we can be effective in fishing for people, in reaching out to others in the new era. That's the first thing that's changing, the world around us. Then secondly, St Paul's has changed a lot down the years. Uh, we don't just keep trying to do the same thing we've always done, or we work on a Victorian model, or some churches still on a feudal model, uh, it seems. We've changed, and we need to recognise that. Uh, I loved singing the song Faithful One just a few moments ago. 
it took me right back to 20 years ago when I became the vicar of St. Paul's and we sang that song then. And I thank God for his faithfulness to me and my family down the years and to St. Paul's. I'm thanking God for the life of Vanessa, who is part of this church all her life and saw many changes, but knew the faithful God all her life. I remember coming 20 years ago as the vicar with a conviction that healthy churches would grow. So we kind of did an audit and said, well, where does the church need to be healthier? And we invested there. Uh, in recent history, we'd had a decade of evangelism under Norman Warren's leadership and a decade of Bible teaching and mission under Andrew Dow's leadership and a decade focusing on pastoral care under Bill Merrington's leadership. Uh, and all of those are vital in a healthy church, together with good worship and the body life of how we uh, live together. Uh, so we worked on our church health, and by God's grace, the church has grown little by little, year by year, to the point now where we're two or three times bigger than we were 20 years ago. Then there were about 200 or so adults and about 50 children and young people. Now we're, well, goodness knows how many we are now. We don't get to see each other, do we? But we're around 500 adults, including students, and something over 200 children and young people. And I thank God for every one of you. I miss seeing you uh, week by week in the church porch on the way out uh, and look forward to the days when we can reconnect. But we've grown. Our children's ministry has grown, our youth ministry, our student ministry. We've grown with other churches in the town in our social ministries, uh, like Christians Against Poverty, the Debt Centre, or Street Pastors, or Food Bank, ministries like The Well and Thrive, where we work together with other churches. And I praise God for those ministries. But none of us has a sense that we should just keep on getting bigger at St. Paul's. Our vision was always for the kingdom of God to grow in the town rather than St. Paul's to just get bigger and bigger. Indeed, lots of people in recent years have been called out from here at St. Paul's to go and serve other churches. Many churches in our town are stronger for the fact that people have moved on from St. Paul's and are serving there as well. There's a natural overflow from church health to helping others. And in the last two or three years, we've been seeking the Lord for what comes next. We deliberately focused on our discipleship. Whatever comes next, we need to follow Jesus more closely. And that is our key verse today, verse 17 of our passage, where Jesus said, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. It is always right for us to keep on following Jesus as closely as possible. You may remember a couple of years ago, I had the sense that our small groups were being called to develop in some way. And in my sabbatical last year, I was looking at different sizes of small groups, both larger mid-sized communities and smaller groups, triplets and formations, as we, uh, we grow in different ways when we meet with three or four or 10 or 12 or 25 or 30. Uh, and coming back from sabbatical, uh, folks were very keen to say, so how are we going to do things differently? And I remember being frustrated that I couldn't quite pin this down talking and praying, uh, the vision of our small groups becoming healthier Christian communities was undoubtedly there, but what would it look like? Well, had we come up with a clear plan a year ago, it would have been out of date already because the world is changing and it may be God's grace hasn't quite revealed what it looks like to us. Uh, but as we change at St. Paul's, there's no doubt that there's a fresh emphasis on what we do in our homes as families and as small groups and how we meet in small Christian communities, albeit part of this big church family. 
Uh, the disciples were called to fish for Jesus, but they weren't fishermen on a riverbank in the middle of England just on their own. They fished in teams together in boats, like fishermen who go out to sea to fish. And we are called to be in teams for Jesus, our small groups, our triplets, our formations, our larger communities are in many ways fishing teams for Jesus. And the question is, Lord, how do each of these play a part in the growth of your kingdom? Uh, whatever St. Paul's looks like next, I am sure that a growth in the value of our small groups is part of it and investing in these more and more. So we're a big church family, but with lots of smaller church family units within that. We still need the big church family. I really miss worshipping uh, with hundreds here on a Sunday. Do you remember how wonderful it was at Car Park Church when there were nearly 400 of us there in the same place at the same time? That huge sense of joy of being together. That will come again. But also we invest in the church in the smaller groups, our in our homes and small groups. So St. Paul's is changing and the way we do mission, there may be lots of different ways uh, as the Lord leads each of our small groups and communities into mission. So the world is changing, St. Paul's is changing and the Church of England is changing. Uh, and much of that is for the better. I gather that about 8% of our nation are connected with any church. It's only really a couple of percent connected with the Church of England, but with other denominations. If you add them all together, it's about 8% of our nation connected with church. Uh, some people have been out of the church, for out of touch with God or his church for many generations. So it's not surprised that we see increasing anxiety and mental health and family breakdown. Material things can never feed our souls. And when we hit a crisis like the pandemic, uh, many people are spiritually bankrupt. People are crying out for God. But only 8% meaningfully in touch with the church. Now, if every church was to double in size, we'd say that was fantastic. But it would still only be 16% of the nation really meaningfully in touch with the church. What about the other 84% of our nation? Well, the Church of England as a whole has been engaging with this seriously. And there is a new wave of church planting going on all around our nation uh, with the vision to reach new people in new places, in new ways. Sometimes new housing estates to put new churches there, new parishes. Sometimes existing uh, housing areas where people are just out of touch with the church, planting new expressions of church. And one of the ways the church do is doing that is to identify what's often called resource churches, uh, which look to energise others in mission and indeed to plant other churches. Uh, at St Paul's, we've grown two or three times in, in the last 20 years. We've been healthier, we've grown, and there's a natural overflow. Imagine, for example, that Adam, our previous curate, hadn't been called down to uh, Portsmouth, but had been called locally to re-energise a church that had got tired. It may well be we would have said... Who feels called by the Lord to go with him? And it may be 20 or 30 of our church family might have gone with him to help re-energise uh, a local church. Well, now in Coventry Diocese, uh, the diocese has been working, what does this look like for us? And just yesterday at the Diocesan Synod, uh, a new strategy for growth was approved in our diocese. And we'll be, we're being asked to play a significant part in that. 
Uh, and to help us think towards that, I want to play for you a video that was shown just yesterday morning uh, of the bishop and other members of his senior team introducing this new growth strategy for our diocese that we will be part of. Let's watch that video now. We're living in times we've never experienced before, but the purpose of the church remains unchanged, worshiping God, making new disciples, transforming communities for God who reconciled us to himself through Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. No one knows how this pandemic will unfold, but we still need to plan for the future. We need a flexible plan that can cope with an uncertain future. In recent years, we've concentrated on church health using the eight essential qualities of healthy churches. It's given us our own evidence that healthy churches become growing churches. With our sight remaining on the importance of church health as the foundation of our diocesan strategy, now is the time to expand our vision for church growth, numerical and spiritual. We long to see more disciples of Jesus, each of whom will be growing in faith. To help that happen, like the bishops before me over the centuries, I long to see new worshipping communities created, to reach every person with the transforming love of God. The church has been creating new worshipping communities for many centuries. The Diocese of Coventry has 244 church buildings and each of these was built for a new worshipping community. In fact, we have more than 244 worshipping communities and that's because some of our church buildings accommodate already two or more distinct communities. Perhaps at one that meets on a Sunday morning and a very different worshipping community that meets on a Sunday evening or on a Wednesday morning. Some of our worshipping communities meet in churches, some in schools, some in village halls and other venues. Altogether we have over 500 worshipping communities in our diocese and our vision is that by the end of the decade we will have 150 more. Worshipping communities come in all shapes and sizes. Some large, some small, some in the city, some in our towns, some in suburbs and some in villages. Some worship styles are quite traditional whereas others are more contemporary. But they all have one thing in common. They are committed to worshipping God, making new disciples and transforming communities. Some of these new communities might look completely different to anything that has gone before, perhaps aimed specifically at people who have never been connected to a church. Some might be more familiar, like Messy Church or Cafe Church. During COVID, we've seen the amazing development of online worship, gathering people together, reaching out to new people, drawing them into the life of the church. We value this diversity and our vision during this coming decade is for 150 new worshipping communities that are equally diverse. In order to realise this vision, we'll need to work together. New worshipping communities will be created by existing local churches and we will be setting up a support network to help them to do this. 
This support network will include some larger churches committed to resourcing others in mission, evangelism and enabling new ways of being church. Now the aim of these Mission Hub churches is certainly not to clone themselves. They are to help local churches to fulfil their own vision of creating a new worshipping community. We don't know how the pandemic will unfold. We pray for a vaccine so that we can return to more normal patterns of life and worship. But that will take time, we know. Surrounded by such uncertainty, why develop our growth strategy now? Why not wait until things have settled down? Well, that could have been said in 1918 when Coventry Diocese was founded in its modern form. How can we be doing a new thing in the midst of chaos and catastrophe? The answer then is the answer now. The strength of the church is strongest in crisis. We were born at the cross. When the world's in need, the church must respond. New challenges create new opportunities. The resurrection has come. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And his spirit is with us. So we want to resource what we are doing in our parishes and our cathedral at the moment and at the same time resource a strategy for greater growth into the future. I want to encourage you to look beyond the present crisis, to dream dreams and to ask God what a new worshipping community in your local area might look like. You can see how pleased I was when I saw that video yesterday morning at the Darson Synod as it dovetails beautifully with where I was going in this sermon. How God has led us to be healthier, we can still be healthier yet, and then to grow and to overflow. Uh, and we're talking with the diocese about becoming one of those resourcing mission hub churches that helps others to find new ways of being church and that plants other new ways of church ourselves. Now, details about what that will look like still have to be worked through. Uh, what are the expectations and the finances and the clarity and how do we work together with the diocese and the churches in this area? But back in July, when the PCC talked about this, we enthusiastically endorsed this direction of travel. Whether or not the diocese would make us a resource church, we felt that this was God's call on us for the next stage not to keep growing larger and larger, but to plant new expressions of church and resource other expressions of church in the area. Whether they're small expressions of church in a coffee shop or a school or a workplace or a pub function room, whether they're whole new expressions of church in the new housing areas, whether they're taking a tired church that's uh, struggling and bringing re-energizing re it. Now, of course, this is our story as a church. As Archdeacon Barry said in that video, every church was planted once upon a time. We were planted back in 1873 to 1874 by St. Mary's, our mother church. The foundation stone laid on Ascension Day, 1873, the first service, 1874. Uh, it's not too many years till our 150th anniversary when we'll be able to celebrate together. But back in 1963, this church was at a very low ebb and we were re-energised 
uh, under the leadership of Norman Warren and some others who came to help get things going again. So it's our experience of struggling and being re-energized and we would long to help others. It may well be as you dream dreams, as the bishop said in your small groups, we're led to a whole variety of small new expressions of church. But it's entirely likely that at some point we'll be led to plant a bigger expression of church as well, either in a new housing area or maybe a little further away. From time to time, uh, some churches are called to plant a new, a new church several miles away and for people to move their houses and be part of that. And the Lord may ask some of our congregation to do that. Uh, it's likely that God is calling a new associate vicar and curate to join me in leading the church ministry here. Let's pray for whoever they are. But whatever this looks like, Jesus' invitation still stands to follow him and he will equip us to fish for others in our changing context. Now, following Jesus does not mean following him like on Twitter, uh, looking at an occasional sort of quote once a week or so to see if he said anything interesting. When Jesus called his followers to follow him, he was a rabbi 2,000 years ago, and a rabbi would call people to live life with him, to walk where he walked, to learn his teaching, to learn his way of life. Uh, several years ago, I read an intriguing phrase in three different books all at the same time. And the phrase was an old Jewish blessing, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Uh, and I was intrigued because being covered in dust didn't sound like much of a blessing to me. But when I read into it, the idea was, may you walk so closely with your rabbi that the dust he kicks up covers you. You're that close. And Jesus called his followers to live closely with him. Uh, when Mary sat at his feet, she was doing what a disciple would do. Jesus was teaching. The disciples would sit there close by and listen. Other times they would go on mission together, but they would stay close. But the disciples that Jesus called were not the ones that normal rabbis called. Normal rabbis took to the best of the best of the best educated and grilled them as to whether they thought they were up to it. Jesus went and called ordinary people, both men and women, to come and follow him. And he still calls people from every walk of life to follow him. And that includes you and it includes me. He invites us to take his yoke on him. We'll think more about that next week on Commitment Sunday. The yoke is to take on his body of teaching and his pattern of life. Throughout the New Testament, we find things like Jesus saying, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Or St. Paul to the Corinthians, not many of you were wise or influential in the world's eyes, but God chose you. And Jesus calls us to follow him and to learn to do the things he did. And he still calls us to follow him today. It's a serious call to walk closely with him day by day, to live our lives as he would if he was us. I remember realizing what a serious call this was. It's why I fought against it for a while until at the age of 18, I bowed my knee to Jesus as my Lord and chose to follow him wholeheartedly. And as you've often heard me say, I was surprised by joy. The joy comes when we walk closely with Jesus. Now, not everyone is called to leave their jobs. Indeed, most people Jesus sends back into their workplaces to live for him. 
But sometimes following Jesus does lead to a change in your job or where he calls you to live. People are called to different places to serve him. Uh, wherever he calls you, it is a wonderful privilege. Jesus calls you to live closely to him, to follow him, and he will use you to reach others and build them up in serving him. And God will do it the way that works best for you. We're all different. Uh, just think of different styles of people we know from the New Testament. Peter the Apostle, he would open his mouth and blurt it out. Direct talking was his style. St. Paul had a more intellectual approach, debating, reasoning, arguing. The blind man who was healed just told his story. I can't answer your questions, but I know this. Once I was blind and now I can see. Matthew threw a party and invited his friends to come and meet Jesus. The Samaritan woman went round saying, come and see, come and meet a person. She did invitations. Dorcas, that lovely Christian lady we meet in Acts 9, uh, went round serving people in acts of kindness, making things, sowing things, doing good for people uh, and leading people to Jesus. My testimony is that in following Jesus, I've become more and more me. There's still bits of me that are not good and God's still working on. And the idea is that I learn to follow him more closely. Uh, but as I said earlier, we're not called to be solo fishermen and women. We're called to be part of teams uh, that follow Jesus together and that reach out together. So both have a think individually about are you prepared to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And next week I'll give the opportunity to recommit yourself. We do this every year a chance to remake our commitment to following Jesus as our Lord. But also in your small groups, do, as the bishop said, dream dreams. How could we do something new? Is the Lord leading us to start something new or do something new? I've got one idea that some of you might like to uh, get involved with at Christmas. Uh, we will be holding our Christmas services. We'll be inviting people. Some will hopefully be able to be here in the building, but not that many, but everybody online. Uh, but I'm going to invite you as our church family to think about holding a, a mini carol service just outside your front door. Uh, we will make it possible for, to have a speaker system, to play a couple of carols, to have a microphone so you can read uh, a bit of the gospel story and pray the Lord's Prayer and maybe give a brief word, a minute or so of testimony. Uh, when we did the clap for carers and we all came out of our doors, if that worked and there was any connection with your neighbours there, it would probably work to play a couple of carols. The idea would be to drop a note through your neighbours' houses, perhaps together with Christians from this church or any other church who live locally, and say, we'd love to sing a couple of carols together, Thursday evening, six o'clock or whatever it is, bring a glass of mulled wine or a cup of hot chocolate to your door. Uh, we'll play a couple of carols, read a story from the Bible, pray the Lord's Prayer, wish each other happy Christmas. Uh, if you sense God calling you to do something like that, go for it. In your small groups, support each other, pray for each other. There'll be some places that would work really well. Outside my front door on Lillington Road on a busy road, that won't work so well, but there'll be other places where it would work brilliantly. Uh, if that works for you, go for it. Uh, it may not. The Lord may lead you to do something else. In your fishing teams, follow Jesus and he will show you how to do this. Just one more thing to say. Uh, above my head are the words where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And we need to do church Jesus' way. 
as I've been reflecting on church for the last generation, uh, I had a, a vision of what church could be uh, shaped by my experience as a student. Uh, and much of that, I think, was good and from God. But some of it, I think, was just the way the Western world does big organizations. And I'm wanting us to reevaluate the way we do church so we do it Jesus's way. Lord Jesus, would you show us how to do church for this next era, we pray, uh, both as big church and as the small church in our small groups and triplets and fours. Uh, so can I encourage you to pray together in your small groups, triplets, fours, to pray individually that the Lord would show us how to do church better uh, as we emerge into a new reality after the pandemic, as we join together with the Diocese and the Church of England in a new wave of church planting and new congregations. And let's pray that now. Perhaps the musicians would come back and we'll just take a minute to pray. If you've been sitting down, you might like to stand. We often stand and invite God to come on us by his Holy Spirit as well as Jesus saying, follow me and I will send you out to fish. A little later on after his uh, resurrection, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is Acts chapter one, verse eight, and you will be my witnesses. So Lord Jesus, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit on us afresh. As individual disciples of yours, as a big church family, as all the different small groups and home groups and triplets and formations and families as part of this wonderful church family. Pour your Holy Spirit down and shape us to serve you in a new era in partnership with our diocese, whatever that will look like, in planting new expressions of church to reach new people in new places, in new ways, just as we were planted all those years ago. Will you use us uh, to overflow from the life of St. Paul's for the good of your kingdom? And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn that to song now as we choose to build our life Jesus' way. <laughs>